There's been so much uncertainty in the last two years. Yeah, it seems like so many people feel behind or like we've all lost time during this pandemic. And for that reason, it seems like we're all hyper-focused on this concern with not being where we want to be. So that's what we're going to do today on the show. We're going to respond to that important question. Here it is. What do we do when we're not where we want to be? And I love this because we're also going to get super practical and share what we call the four little things to keep you grounded and steady. I'm Judah. And I'm Chelsea. And this is In Good Faith. Okay, we have something to admit today. We do. And it is that we are going through massive change right now in real time as we speak. Massive change. That could, that could be well, We're hoping to be going through <laughs> massive change. We are going through the reality that in our careers, we're not necessarily where we are want to be. We are in the process of leading the organization that we lead through change. And it's not an easy process. And it's been slower to arrive than I think we thought. I think we thought we would be somewhere different by the time we were here. No doubt. Let's go all the way back, if you can, to 2018. Um, For everybody listening, you know, and you started to imagine 2021, if you're like me, that's kind of what you do. Every year you imagine the next year and the year after that and the year after that, and you project in your mind, it's going to be this, it's going to be that for our career and and the path uh, that we have chosen in our career in terms of building community and, and connecting people's lives and connecting people to their faith and and God, and and yet um, there's been profound disappointment. There's been profound sense of loss, huge change of plans, um, friends that have moved on to other endeavors, a uh, sense of of loss there, and we are quite literally sitting recording this podcast. But but professionally speaking, in our career, we're we're definitely not where we want to be. Yeah. And here we are. We're in our 40s. We have this beautiful family. I mean, I think I, I love our kids. Oh. It's great. And I'm still living my dream job yep. that what we get to do on a day in, day out basis, I would do even if we didn't get paid for it. I love what we get to do. But realizing- Which really is such a privilege yeah. and a blessing. We're so grateful. But realizing that the results aren't what we expected them to be mm. as we've endeavored to make this change, I have been surprised how much that has affected my emotions, my identity, made me feel like I must not be doing good enough or maybe I'm not the right. You know, all of those things that have come up over these last couple of years where we're really honest that these things aren't exactly where we want them to be. Yeah, and I think the natural knee-jerk reaction is to stress over it and start uh, to use kind of a, a popular Bible word, striving, which is stressful action. Uh, it's this idea that it's all up to me. If it's meant to be, it's up to me. And um, of course, as faith people, we we believe that actually it's in the hands of the creator, designer, architect, and God himself. But but man, I have been uh, exhausted at certain points of this, this journey these last couple of years thinking, well, maybe like you said, we're not doing enough. So mm. if you're listening right now and you can relate to this, uh, we would like to officially dedicate this podcast <laughs> to you uh, because we are in this together. And here's the question we're asking today. Yeah. What do you do when you're not where you want to be? What I love doing? that question. And I feel like it could relate to any person at any time in history, but especially considering especially. the last few years that we all have 
lived through yep. years of pandemic, quarantine, political, social unrest. There's very few people I've come in contact recently who have said, I'm exactly where I thought I would be. <laughs> I'm exactly. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> exactly. uh, we have not met what, not one person, I'll go on record to say, who has said, I'm right where I want to be. Yeah. I've heard people say, I'm, I'm happy with where I am, yeah. but exactly where they plan to be or forecasted to be or wanted to be, I, I don't know the person right now. So when you hear that question, how do you feel like most of us tend to define the where? Because obviously you, you and I started out talking about our career. Our career, yeah. And I think we did that because most of our friends' relationships and people we talk to, that is kind of the where. By default, that's the where. The where is where you wanted to be in pay, where you wanted to be in influence, where you wanted to be in the organization, where you wanted to be, even location, where you wanted to be living. But I think there's under underneath, a little bit deeper than surface level, that where actually has some really significant meaning. Well, yeah. And especially I think of um, so many of my friends who were single, who feel like they've lost a year and a half of dating opportunities in the world. And you feel like I expected to be married by now, or I maybe you've been trying to have kids and you've expected to have kids by now, or maybe you expected to be a different weight by now. Maybe you've been trying to lose. I mean, it can apply to so many things other than career. And, but it is interesting that that's where we started the opening story and that's where our mindset so tends to go. And I don't know if that's as Americans or that's as humans on the planet that we just tend to go towards career when we ask that question, but it can be so much broader. There's also this concept of just constantly trying to arrive, you know, and you're constantly, you got this misnomer that suddenly I'm going to wake up one morning like, ta-da, da-da-da-da. It's like, it's all settled. I've totally arrived. And uh, there's just no such thing in the human trajectory, in the human life. Every day is an opportunity to grow and learn, uh, no matter where you are, what stage, what what space you're in. Yeah, and that reminds me, we've had some pretty amazing opportunities with athletes specifically, mm. either golf or football, who have arrived. They have reached the pinnacle of their athletic career. Yeah. And I think the easiest way to explain that is in all of those cases where we've had such a privilege to learn from um, high level performing athletes is that the day after the Super Bowl or the day after the Masters golf tournament, the golf world is asking, who's the favorite for next year? <laughs> yeah. The it's so fleeting. The football world's asking, who's the top ranked team going into next year? And it's like 24 hours after the Seahawks won the most important Super Bowl in NFL history in 2013, or Bubba Watson won the Masters in 2012 or 2014, the whole golf world and football world is just going, all right, well, what about next year? What's next? And we just move on. That wherever, whenever we arrive at where we thought we wanted to be, there's still a what's next. There's still a more. There's still... Oh my word, while you're saying that, it's like when we arrive, the world's already moved on. So even arriving... Is, is is not what we think it is. It really is about the journey, isn't it? Yeah, and that's where a couple summers ago, I think when we realized we started to make these changes in the mm-hmm. church that we lead and, and there was some some pain involved in that and, you know, change is pain and that's the reality of leadership yep. is, is some pain involved. We found this book that talked about enjoying the process and that for us has been so much life. So much life. And so let me just say it real clearly. Yeah. What do you do when you're not where you want to be? Here's the short answer. Enjoy the process. 
Enjoy the process. Think about it just for a moment. If you enjoy the process of getting to the championship, Mm -hmm. no matter what happens in the championship, you've already won because you've enjoyed the process of getting there. Yep, you've enjoyed showing up to practice every day. You enjoyed the the laughs in the teammate in the locker room with your teammates. You've You've enjoyed every step of the way. And so for us, we found, you know what? You love preaching every week. You love it. I love it. I love sitting in meetings and strategizing. And I love going, you know, digging into my Bible and studying whatever it is for us in our process now to get where we want to go. We're not just in it for a result. We're actually in it because we love the process. And that's that's so profound because I think we are so drunk on results. Mm. But results tell such a small story of the journey of life, loss, pain, brokenness. These are a huge dimension and dynamic of the human existence that actually teach us so much about the meaning of life and the depth of love and forgiveness and care and concern and and personal growth. And so I think we're both really trying to wrap our arms around and embrace very closely the process that, frankly, is coined by this word today. 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 Okay, but I have a question for you because I love that phrase you You've used. asked me two questions. I've asked you none. Oh, that's because I'm such a good question yeah, asker. Yeah, you actually are. It's one of the reasons I'm married. <laughs> it's you. one of the things we used to get in fights about in the beginning of our marriage because you didn't ask me questions and I didn't talk until I got a question asked. But we've both grown. Yeah, I will and talk well, back then questions. though, I, you would ask a question and then if I didn't reciprocate, it's like you would you would keep score. Well, yeah. But love doesn't keep a record of all. But I you have Bible, folks. kept a record of how many questions I have <laughs> asked you. So I have a question yeah. for you. <laughs> How hypocritical did that turn out <laughs> yeah, to that, be? That turned out pretty hypocritical. Thanks, thanks, God. I got one on that one. Um, <laughs> so I have a question for you. You made a statement that was so good that we're drunk on results, mm. which is, I think, very true. How much do you think social media, which we probably talk about more often than we should here, um, contributes to that drunkenness on results? Well, obviously, it's incredibly significant. I, I think a, a lot of the mental health progress and growth we've we've happened and and of course I want to be careful here in the western world which is our context there has been a huge uptick thank god of awareness of mental health and the conditions of our internal voices and the voice in our head and what we're telling ourselves what we think about ourselves and how do we feel about ourselves and that has a lot to do um, with comparison right the ancient scripture says do not compare yourselves amongst yourselves which isn't wise now that's interesting comparison has no wisdom in it there's no wisdom in it. There's no insight in it. You There's no fuel for further growth in life. You gain nothing. It's a drain. Mm. It's not a refuel. So when we compare, we're, we're letting strength and stamina and energy go to compare ourselves. Then we, what, what are the results? Think about it. Comparison almost always lead you to an inebriated state. Think about it. You either think you are much better than you are. Because, because you're comparing you, yourself you with people who are quote unquote less than you, less. not as far as long and as you. And that's when we think comparison's working for us. Oh no, it is misleading you yep. about your journey. Or the more obvious one is when you compare to people who are significantly quote unquote better than you and you feel small and insignificant. And both are a disproportionate view of yourselves. So comparison has no wisdom in it. It mm-hmm. has yep. no 
no redeeming quality or value. So we're actually told instead of comparing ourselves, we're to serve each other, which is an interesting, interesting practice. Um, but I know, I mean, if we're really honest, babe, we, we aren't on social media because it, it was really unhealthy for us. Okay, I realized, because I'm on social media more than you are, yeah. which is not very much. Because you're stronger than me. <laughs> well, no, but I realized, so in, specifically in this area of leading, leading church and the organization mm-hmm. we lead, I had to mute or unfollow other people who were leading the same types of organizations because Our it dearest made, friends I know, who you right? Love. right. But, but it just made me feel like we're not doing enough and we're not go. good enough. And I don't know, that's probably a really cheap way out, but that was really the reality that I had to take. But since I've changed and I've, I've been adding some more in and I've realized you talk about serving people and that's great, but that's such a weird phrase. Like we don't really use that in everyday life. Let me serve you. Let me serve you. Yeah, so yeah, let me, no, I, that's weird. I mean, right? I walk up so somewhere. let me put I'm another, serve you let me put another word to Please. it. And that is celebrating people. Instead Much of better. comparing, why don't we celebrate people? When somebody's doing something that I aspire to do, celebrate that yeah. with them. And we're going to talk more about that too, as we kind of give a, some tools to take away today. Yeah. But I think what is so important about celebrating people is that that helps us to actually like who we are. Because I've noticed this in life and journey with so many people that we think when I get to this place, when I arrive at where I'm going to be, then I will like myself. Mm. Or if I feel like I get this promotion in my career, then I can be satisfied with myself. Then I can believe that I'm enough. Then I can really embrace who I am. But we've lived, we haven't lived a lot of years, but we've lived enough years (laughs) to realize you get that accomplishment, you get to where you are, and you're still who you are. And we talked about, yes, if you can get accomplishments and get money and you don't have people around you, then there's an emptiness. Right. But I also believe there's an emptiness to achieving things, but then still not liking who we are. That it's so important that we actually like ourselves. Yeah, because it's been said so many times, uh, money, uh, like marriage, only makes you more of what you were before you had it. And the marriage and money work very similarly like that. All of a sudden, it's like who you were is just a little bit extra accentuated now that you've got (laughs) a little bit more resource, for instance, or you've made a commitment to marry the love of your life. All of a sudden, it's like, whoa, these these parts of me are kind of amplified. And it's like, oh, so the where has to include you know, enjoying who you are and, and, and loving who you are. And of course, the teachings of Jesus is love your neighbor as yourself. yourself. So even the teachings of Jesus implore us, um, remind us that, that, that loving ourselves is, a, is an important baseline in the human experience for sure. Here's the question I want to ask. Very, so I do have a question for oh, you. Oh, okay. How do you like that? <laughs> um, and here's my question. I'm still going to be up by one since I've asked two. We, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not keeping Yeah, score. we're not comparing. We're competing. <laughs> um, all right. What do you do when you're not where you want to be? What do Answer that question specifically. And let's take the remaining minutes we have and let's try to be as practical as we can and clear as we can for the listeners. Um, 
And I guess what we're going to also do, now I'm giving you all these caveats, uh, B is… Has anybody noticed how long Judah's questions are, by the way? It takes you a very long time to get to your question. <laughs> I am so annoyed at you right now. This is unbelievable. We should end every episode by bringing in our marriage coaches and our counselors and our therapists. They could work on us publicly for the last five minutes. That'd be great. <laughs> I'm kidding. Kind of. What do you do? I know… You know, obviously, before we started this podcast, we discussed some things, but I'm, I'm excited to hear what you're going to say. I think we've already covered the two things that stand out to me the most, which are, first of all, enjoying the process. Yep. And that verse sticks out to me in the book of Ecclesiastes, which mm. was written by King Solomon, who was one of the wealthiest. <laughs> actually, I went with wealthiest. Oh, sorry. That too. The wealthiest men who had been with a ton of women. You know, so he had all of this life experience. Yeah. And he boiled it down to, and he goes into the book of Ecclesiastes, and he says, I, I tried knowledge to make me happy. I tried riches to make me happy. I tried women to make me happy. And he goes through all these things, and he boils it down, down to the gift of God, the gift that God gives us to be happy in life is to eat and drink and to enjoy your work. Mm. And I think there's such a beautiful simplicity to that. When we talk about enjoying the process, that can feel maybe vague, but it's do you enjoy every day waking up in the morning? Do you enjoy what that, that day has to offer? And I know some, sometimes we end up working a waitressing job so that we can go to school so that we could, you know, we do things that we don't necessarily en- enjoy or didn't see as our career or our path, but we can still enjoy every single one of those days working that waitressing job. I couldn't agree more. And that gets around later in the uh, trajectory of the Bible, Jesus is quoted saying, hey, listen, t- tomorrow is going to be there and it's going to have challenges and, and some uphill climb, but leave tomorrow to tomorrow. All you have is today. And then he goes on to admonish us today, look at the birds. Today, mm. consider the flowers in the meadows. Today, uh, do these little acts, um, these little uh, observations. Uh, a friend of mine the other day said, you know, I'm going to, I want to come golfing with you guys. I just need to touch some grass. And it was like, hey, I just need to get out there and kind of breathe a little bit and get, get some perspective. Now that's a, a huge privilege to be able to go golfing. I understand that. But uh, what, what can each of us do to start to practice um, enjoying the process? How do you enjoy the process? I think through the little things. Yeah, so we have four. That anybody can do, by the way. Yep. You don't need a Lamborghini yep. to do what we're going to say. So we have four little things that we want to give you as a takeaway in order we to do. enjoy the process. I'm very excited about these four little yeah, things. Yeah, me too. And they're really from the teachings of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, mm-hmm. if anybody wants context for, for where they came from. But the first thing I love, and that is a little look. Yeah. And I wish that we were totally just talking about a little look for each other because I do think that is uh, mm-hmm. should be noted. There should be a footnote under the little look, and that is I love giving you little looks of just love and adoration. Yeah, but this also from Matthew 6, I think, is speaking to this concept of like just taking a little moment to take a quick glance at a flower, a bird, a cloud formation, uh, breaks in the clouds to see the blue sky piercing through, sunshine coming through your window in the morning, um, chirping of the birds, the bark on the tree, the green of the grass, 
the burnt orange of the bark dust, you know, whatever. Mm, yeah. I'm, I'm talking about our Western world and kind are, of our landscape. But. but that is the words that Jesus said. Jesus said, look at the birds. What I find so fascinating is we were studying before this podcast, looking up the power of looking out at the horizon. Whoa. And if you're ever on a boat and you're feeling seasick or you feel like you can't get your equilibrium, you feel dizzy. They say that the most powerful thing to do is to look out onto the horizon and looking at that steady, stable horizon will actually change the physiological state of your body to bring more settledness. And Jesus had to know that, right? When he said, hey, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling like life is too much, just stop and look at the Mm. birds. Stop and look at the horizon, just the power of looking up to something beyond yourself and seeing the beauty in it, right? I feel like so often in our life right now, we're looking for things to improve them. We're looking at things to criticize them. We're looking at things to figure out how we can work it so we can get more from it. So I think in that little look isn't, also the picture of seeing the beauty in it. Just look at a flower and realize how beautiful it is. Just stopping. It's interesting because in the aging process that you and I are experiencing, I have these surreal moments. My dad passed on uh, 11 years ago, but I feel so much more like my dad today than ever because my dad was a big bird watcher, for instance, and he loved the hummingbirds and how they hover like helicopters. But um, I feel like, is this what happens when you get old? But I realize it has very little to do with age. It comes with a journey, Mm -hmm. a journey that goes, hey, if we don't stop right now and admire this architecture, we will miss deepening the day Mm -hmm. and bringing more texture and fabric and feeling and feeling more alive. And Jesus... He knew that. And I wonder if that's why in the storm, you know, when Peter was walking on water, as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, the miracle happened and he, he walked on top of H2O. And I just think where you look really matters. H2O stands for water. I don't want to get into it. I'm, so a, bit of, well, I'm a bit of a scientist. You know, I think you get it. But um, <laughs> seriously, those little looks can go a long way to helping you enjoy today. Um, yep. What if you stop? Think about it. What if you stopped today and just did a little look at some some grass, some sky, and, and an animal, um, and just considered the the majesty of those things? Mm-hmm. Uh, what what a gift! And 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 we can we can all do that. What's uh, what's number two? Number two is a little party, which I love. And this you are so good at naturally. You are such a fun person. One of the reasons I fell in love with you is just your fun and you are always Thank ready you, to mama. throw a little party whenever always. you want. Sometimes I can be a little bit I like to party. You do like to party. Sometimes I can be a little bit more serious. And so I, I love the little party concept. So you're good at this one. What's that mean to you? Well, I think it has a lot to do with what you said. Instead of comparing with others, mm. we celebrate others. And I think there's a freedom that I have found. There's a confidence, there's a security. It takes a very big person to make other people big. It takes Mm. a small person to make other people small. So which do you want to be? The world of the generous gets larger and larger, the scripture says. Um, Big people make other people a big deal. 
And so I think to combat some of what we're experiencing in the technological age, social media, comparison, insignificance, feel weak, feel small, feel little. One of the ways we can fight that is by stopping and throwing a quick party for somebody. Hey, you have the greatest head of hair I have ever seen (laughs) in my whole life. Can I just say, wow, those are such cool shoes. Like you're, you're, your personality is magnetic. I mean, there's a number of different things that I think we think, oh, they already know that. What's the big deal? But just opening I don't want to be, or, or like, I don't want to fan it. out on someone. Well, guess what I do? Actually, I do. Yeah, you I want to be a fan of people. And I want to, no matter who it is or who we meet, uh, I just want to be a fan of people and, yeah. and, and call me that guy because I am that guy. And just throwing a little party. I'll never forget a couple of years ago, I was in the kitchen making dinner, which is a rare occurrence. And there was... Oh, me- I remember this. This is back in October 2017. <laughs> there was music on in the background that I was just singing and dancing to. Like in the kitchen, it was just oh, a random that. evening. And our middle son, who was a couple of years ago, he was probably 11 at the time. It's like, oh, mom, I never see you dancing. That's so fun. And that just marked something inside of me like, I don't want to live the life that my children say they don't remember seeing me dancing. Why not? I'm standing up making dinner. Wow. Why not just dance and throw a little party? Wow. And enjoy it. I love it. that. Absolutely. You can throw a party for yourself, throw a party for others. Um, but, well, if you're not partying every day, if you're not celebrating people every day, I think you're missing an opportunity to begin to deepen. Yeah. There is something to celebrate every day. And if we are looking for it, if we're looking to throw a little party, that will help us enjoy where we're at and enjoy the process. That's right. Okay, the third thing. Um, So yeah, we're talking about the the little things that help you enjoy the process that any of us can do, the little look, the little party. And and number three is the the little phrases or the little statements. Um, One that we practice every day, which has really helped us to enjoy the process. And really, it's just a an attitude of gratitude, which my dad just <laughs> say. But it's it's this phrase where we are so blessed, and that would be a phrase we would use multiple times a day. Um, it's typically probably after working diligently on something, or distracted, or kind of focused, and, so, and we just kind of stop and go look around for a second and go, "Wow, we're so blessed." Where yeah. we get to live, our friends, relationship, we are so blessed, and your brain, and your body, and your soul. You believe yourself more than anyone in the world. Yeah. So when you hear yourself say you're a recipient of blessings, right? I didn't pick my birth date. I didn't pick the continent I'd be, I'd be living in. I didn't, that was all picked for me. It was providence. We, you and I are convinced and persuaded it was God. And so just this gratefulness, which comes, um, I think it's like, it's like a geyser at times. It's just kind of like, man, we're so blessed. What a beautiful day. And it can, words can be such a powerful reset. I know for me, when mm, I have had reset. moments of not, of maybe dreading the day I was going to go into because I'm not seeing the results I'm wanting to see, just to be honest. One of the other phrases I say to myself is, I can't believe we get to do this. Yeah. I can't believe we get to do this. And that's something that you and I will say. We're, we'll say we're so blessed and we're happy and we're feeling it. But when we need to give ourselves a reset, mm. when we need to give ourselves a perspective adjustment, yep. one of the things we'll say is, I can't believe we get to do this. That's right. We get to work a job that we would do even if we didn't get paid to do it. Man, I can't believe we get to do this. And Everybody needs to find their own little phrase, right? Yep. Steal ours if you want them. Please. But there's something about just having those little phrases that can change our entire outlook. Now we're like remembering all these phrases, but one that I love that we use is, you know, what else would we be doing? 
What else would we be doing? One of my other little phrases, as silly as that, is this, it's something to do. <laughs> like, like having something to do, what an honor. Yeah. What a privilege. Yep. We have something to do. Like right now doing this podcast. Wow. So we have purpose. We have something to do today. I don't know about tomorrow. And when tomorrow comes, it'll be today. So all we have is today. But today we have something to do. And um, boy, that has changed our brain and changed yeah. um, the disposition of our body. One of my little phrases, and I hope this doesn't come across defensive, but is if it was easy, everybody would do it. Yeah. And it go. just helps me realize, no, we're doing something hard, but fun and fulfilling. And there's nothing else I'd rather be doing. If it's easy, everybody else would be doing it. And I love the little phrases of that we express to each other about, um, you know, you're, you're my person. Uh, you're, you're, you're my best friend. Um, you're the person I, I love to talk with. I'm, I love telling you you're the best man I know. Because it's so my true. Favorite. That's my favorite. But what was that one again? Say it again. <laughs> you're the best man. I <laughs> it's our podcast. So I can ask for compliments to be repeated. This That's is fantastic. Awesome. Okay. Well, number four. Yeah, number four. Number four is little touches. Little yeah, touches. I love this. Um, my favorite application. And that's just little touches of grabbing your arm or putting my hand on your leg. I... I uh, was at this event this last weekend, and I there were these beautiful old oak trees, probably hundreds of years old, mm-hmm. and they just stretch. I mean, oak trees when they're old and they're, they're limbs so majestic. Olive and oak trees, they were they were all over this landscape, and I would just walk up and kind of put my hand on these outstretched, low hanging, beautiful, thick trunk limbs of these oak trees and olive trees, and just grabbing a hold of the oak tree and feeling the texture and realizing this oak tree was created by an architect an eternal divine architect. And it's just, it's, it's very grounding and it's mm. very, um, you know, thanking God for the beauty of, of trees. You know, he didn't have to make trees. He didn't have to make grass and sky and water and oceans and lakes and rivers. And so, so taking those moments to feel, to put your hand, to put your feet in the, in the, in the river, take your shoes off and feel the grass and just be like, God, thank you. Like grass is such a cool invention. And there's something, because we talked about a little look, which is looking at nature. That's right. But there's something else about a touch mm. where you're physically getting your skin on something besides yourself yep. that I think is so grounding in the sense of it gets us out of ourselves. So often, I think the reason we don't like where we're at is because we get too in our head and we get too focused about ourselves and life becomes so much about us and our human nature, our human natural default is to be self-centered. But when you practice a little touch, it immediately, literally physically gets you outside of yourself. I know for me, I'm grateful that you love to touch trees, but I just love to touch our kids and give them hugs. And our oldest son right now is 17. And he went through a season, like his 14, 15 year old, where he wasn't too into hugs, but now he lets me hug him again. I don't have to just force him or bribe him. And it just is life to my soul, just grabbing that son who's now so much bigger than me and just giving him a hug and a touch and it's tangible. I'm his, I'm his mom. I have purpose outside of myself. And actually right here is exactly where I want to be hugging my teenage son. That's so true. And you know, Zion taught us a lot Zion's early. Our he was, yeah, Zion's our 17 year old. He was six weeks premature. Mm-hmm. And the importance of physical touch when he was in critical care. The neonatal intensive care unit yeah, in his little yeah. incubator. You know, they they told us how important it was, you know, to touch him and to touch his skin and, and let him know that he's loved. Makes me emotional thinking about it. But 
human touch is so important. We, we actually need to be touched to live. I don't know. The older I get, you know, some people say you're getting sappy and sentimental. Um, I just think we're trying to get more intentional and nobody's guaranteed the -hmm. next breath. No one's guaranteed tomorrow. And so let us enjoy today. And that doesn't mean that we don't dream. It doesn't mean that we don't have aspirations. It doesn't mean that we don't have ambition and goals and agenda. All of those things are actually very God-given and very important to have. We need to have dreams. We need to have visions, but it's living in this tension of having a vision and dreams and goals, but enjoying today. And I think these four little things really help us to enjoy the moments, even when we feel like we aren't where we want to be, even when we still have unmet goals and expectations and things that we're aspiring to that really can be amazing and great. But if we practice these little things, we can like ourselves and we can like where we're at. These four little things are practices that have really changed our life, if we're honest, Um, from the little look to the little party to little phrases, little touch. But of course, if you look at it in terms of a summation, um, what we're really talking about is not only connecting with the day, but what that actually means is is connecting with with people and connecting with those closest to you. Um, Yeah. And that really is the whole of life, isn't it? And I know we experience this so much watching your dad fight cancer and then pass away 11 years ago, like you mentioned. And he had superseded all of his dreams in life as far as his career and what he would have wanted to accomplish. But what really did matter to him at the end of his life in that hospital room, as we were all saying goodbye, was the relationships and the people around him. And I always feel like we want to bring this up in a conversation about dreams and aspirations, but making sure that the priority still is the proper priority, which is our relationships that we have with people. That's it. Relationship is the primary reason for which we exist on planet earth. And when it comes to what do you do when you're not where you want to be, um, I think you focus on the most important thing in the world, and that is relationship. Relationship with the one who, who is the cause for all of us being here. And then relationship with those who are here at the same time we are on the planet. Because that is miraculous and truly incredible that we're here together. And at it's the same not time. just our, our relationship with our spouse and our family. That's right. I feel like so many people aren't where they want to be in regards to their marital status or their dating status. But even then, there's don't you think there's something so powerful about looking at the relationships that you do have in front of you? Maybe a coworker that you can get to know a little bit more that you're intrigued by, but you know that there can be a, a deeper level of relationship that you can get to or a friendship that you need to go after or make. And it's just putting ourselves out there and always remembering the power of that priority. The other day I was in a public setting and, um, was actually driving my car and stopped to say hi and didn't even know that this particular man that we had I'd met before uh, knew my name. And he said, hey, Judah. And I looked at him and the connection I felt um, was energizing and it was meaningful. And I thought, boy, even if we learned the name of our local barista mm. and said his name or her name, hey, thank you, Amanda, for what you do, um, that connection can really help us enjoy the process. And we can all be intentional to connect with people more. That's right. We hope this helps.
my love, would you be willing to close us in prayer? Because isn't that what pastors do? I would love to. Okay, perfect. Father, I thank you so much for every person who was listening. And Lord, I know that you see every heart, you know every circumstance, you know exactly what every person is feeling on the inside, any unrest, any unsettledness, any comparison. And Jesus, I pray right now that you would come with your perfect peace and you would enable and strengthen each one of us to enjoy where we are, to enjoy the process, even for people who are in painful places, to even enjoy those moments and endure that pain. Jesus, we thank you that you're real and that you love us in your name. Amen. We love you. This has been a presentation of OBB Sound, SB Projects, and Cadence 13. Executive produced by Chelsea Smith, Judah Smith, Michael D. Ratner, Scott Ratner, Elias Tanner, Scooter Braun, Scott Manson, James Shin, and Chris Corcoran. Produced by Grace Delia. Co-produced by Kyle Vanuya of SB Projects. Produced by Lauren LaGrasso and Serena Reagan of Cadence 13. Edited, mixed, and mastered by Adam Masias. Original composition by Colin Gilliard. Production support from Rachel Cruz. OBB Sound is an OBB media company. Cadence 13 is an Odyssey company.